are listening to the Bark the Browns podcast with Brandon Wolf and Asa Hasledge. Welcome on into the Bark of the Browns podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Wolf. We are here with you on a Victory Monday. And obviously, when I say we, I'm talking about me and my great co-host, Asa Hasledge. Asa, how are you feeling after an absolute shootout of a game? But the Browns offense really definitely put out. But how are you feeling? Yeah, I mean, I'm feeling great, dude. I mean, what else can you say after a Browns win, right? Uh, you got to be feeling good, especially going three and one now headed into the Colts week. Uh, it's just, you know, it feels real good to be three and one man. And I'm pretty close to being on top of the AFC. I mean, we are on that top of the AFC North technically, uh, unfortunately behind Pittsburgh still, they haven't had a loss yet, but feels real, real good. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that Browns offense in the first half of that game, I put out a tweet and I said, this is probably the best, Browns offense in the first half of any game I've ever seen in my life. Like mm-hmm. they were, I, I can't even remember what the score was at the end of the first half, but it was, yeah, hold on. I'm, I'm going to try and look it up real quick, but man, that the first half, I mean, you had Odell had already gotten two touchdowns at that point. And I mean, the, the offense was just flowing and it was, it was just beautiful to see Baker look comfortable in the pocket. Obviously, the one thing that plenty of people are talking about and, and Browns fans should be kind of worried about is Nick Chubb and uh, him, him going down in that first half with the apparent leg injury. We still haven't heard anything about that. Hopefully he's okay. Obviously him walking off on his own power and, and not walking off like he was, he was nursing it or anything. That's kind of a good sight to see, but at the same time, you're still, your star running back doesn't come back in the second half it's going to worry you. What are your thoughts on Nick Chubb and us possibly missing him for a few games? Uh, I mean, it was really scary. I mean, I did uh, seeing him limp off the field. It was scary, but uh, I even, I got honestly way more worried watching the replay on how it actually happened because he was actually going for a block and I can't remember what offensive lineman they kind of got rolled up and his, they landed on his leg and his leg kind of like his ankle got caught under everybody. And then his knee just kind of like his, his leg folded in a way your leg is not supposed to fold. So I honestly got way, way more worried after watching how it actually happened. And I mean, it is good to see that he actually walked off on his own. But I mean, Nick Chubb's a tough guy, so I, you never know what that guy can actually walk on. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. I think that there is a little there's there is a reason to be worried, but at the same time, like you almost kind of want to think maybe Kevin Stefanski kept him out because we were up by so much in that first half. The Browns offense looked like it was moving very well and that maybe they kind of just kept him out as a precaution, maybe hoping that he wouldn't re-injure something that, and come back on something a little too quickly. Obviously, coming back in the second half, if he would have tore something or broke an ankle or even fractured an ankle or something like that, coming out and playing on that maybe 15, 20 minutes later probably wasn't a good idea. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not really sure what to think about this injury. But, again, I just hope that we – that we see him out there next week against the Colts and uh, in the tough defense that they're going to, they're going to put up. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. We obviously hope all the best. I mean, you see, if you're following Twitter feed, all the guys, you know, uh, the inactive guys actually greedy and, uh, and Joker were tweeting out, you know, prayers and just everybody really, we're just really looking out for, uh, out for him and hoping for the best. Yeah. I mean, you, again, with a guy like that, with, I mean, Nick Chubb has been the focal point of our offense. So with a guy like that, you, you want to see him come back as quickly as possible, but at the same time, you want him to be safe. You want to make sure that he's not, he's not coming back on something a little, a little more quickly than he should. So with that being said, let's bounce right into some of the stats and kind of see, kind of break down what, 
the Browns offense looked like and even the Cowboys offense because Dak Prescott obviously had a phenomenal game if you were able to sit down and watch it. Uh, Dak Prescott was 41 for 58 with 502 yards, four touchdowns, and a very, very crucial interception for the second week in a row. What did you think of Dak Prescott coming off of this game? Uh, I do. It, it really puts it into perspective when you just said 58 pass attempts. That is just crazy. But um, I mean, like you just hit it really on the nail. And when we previewed the game last episode, how you said one of your X factors is going to be Miles Garrett getting in the face and how we talked about his very, very low passer rating when he's pressured. And we've seen it all the first half and honestly even through the third quarter it wasn't until the fourth quarter that this offense really exploded against us and I think part of that was uh the Browns defense got a little too comfortable I mean at that point we were up 41 to 14 42 to 14 so obviously your team's gonna be a little comfortable but focusing on him in general um obviously he was getting pressured a lot by Miles Garrett um and like we talked about before put Miles Garrett best DN in the league arguably I mean obviously Browns fans are going to call him the best but um putting an undrafted rookie against him you're obviously going to get a lot of pressure so um he couldn't really do much with Miles in his face but uh when Dallas's offensive line started doubling up Miles and gave him room um, he was the deck that I expected he was going to be against us and just absolutely torched us in the, uh, in that fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He, uh, he definitely had himself a hell of a game, but the one, the one, the last thing I want to talk about with Dak was that throw that he had to, I can't remember the receiver, but, oh, it was Amari Cooper. It was Amari Cooper's, uh, it was the second touchdown they had, and they went up 14-7. to seven. That was actually the last touch then, touchdown they had within the first three quarters of the game. But that throw from Dak Prescott might have been the most perfect throw I've ever seen. And I don't know if you if you recall the throw that I'm talking about, but it was Sandejo was coming from the left side. Ward was barely trailing Amari Cooper uh, on the right side, and – I mean, Dak Prescott probably had a half a second of a window to throw it in, and it was just a bullet. And, uh, I mean, I don't really know what else to say, but this guy, he even when Miles Garrett was pressuring him, even when they only put up 14 points in that first – well, the first three quarters, he was still – I mean, I want to say he had almost 300 yards going into the second half of the game. So he definitely had himself a heck of a game as far as – the rest of the passing goes in this game. You had Baker Mayfield, 19 for 30, 165 yards, two touchdowns and no picks again, which is huge for Baker and in, in this mm-hmm. offense. With, as far as Baker's, Baker's game has went this game. He, he obviously passed for over 25 yards, like or over 25 attempts. Like we talked about, he still was kind of under, he was still under 200 yards, but he's still kind of in that sweet spot that we talked about in the first episode. What, uh, what do you make of that? Um, I mean, I think he, he looked really solid. And like you said, uh, having no picks now back-to-back weeks is big, especially for him. Uh, you know, we're looking for him to be more accurate, be more comfortable behind that line. And, I mean, the line is doing their job very, very well, giving him lots of room uh, to work. And I know he did look very comfortable, wasn't really forcing anything. I mean, he was just kind of letting it go, honestly. And he, he looked very well. And it's great to see that his confidence, like I kind of talked about in uh, the last couple episodes, having Baker's confidence high and it feeds into the rest of the offense. And we've seen how well it can really work. Obviously, um, you know, the offense looked really good collectively today. And it, it's just, you know, it's, it's just really great to see. You did talk, you just talked about one of the things that I do want to come back to. But before we come back to the offensive line, I want to talk about one more person who did have a pass in this game, and that's Jarvis. Oh Lynch. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> when when he came out on that first drive, and Kevin Stefanski runs this trick play that, again, as Browns fans, we've seen many offensive coordinators, many play callers try and run these crazy trick plays. But when he calls this trick play, and you just see Odell Beckham wide open, streaking towards the end zone, I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts on that first drive, and really kind of how the Browns how the Browns capped it off? Uh, I dude, honestly, I, I was a little off about it. My prediction, that was one of those players where I'm just like, where I kind of predicted, I'm like, you know what, we'll just probably have a player where we just bomb it and see. 
And you know, when watching the play, I'm like, oh, it's I immediately seeing Jarvis, I'm like, all right, double reverse. Jarvis is gonna run it. How far is he gonna go, really? But then I seen him pause for a second and launch it. I'm like, no way. <laughs> I'm like, no way. And then I see Odell. You can tell the room he had. He had really good separation uh from I really don't recall who was covering him um but he had a lot of separation i'm like yeah that's a pick or that's a six baby yeah yeah for sure he uh again odell again we're gonna talk about him for sure coming coming into the rest of this podcast but the offensive line let's get to that for a second and bill callahan um he's a guy that has been phenomenal everywhere else he has went in this league and he's been arguably the best offensive line coach in the NFL in NFL's history. And uh, I mean, he's come to Cleveland. He's done the same exact thing. As far as rushing goes, you had Dearness Johnson with 13 carries, 95 yards, Odell Beckham with two carries, 73 yards, Kareem hunt, 11 carries, 71 yards and two touchdowns. Nick Chubb had six carries for 43 yards. A lot of this offensive line play has helped the running back in the rushing game for the Cleveland Browns. I mean, I, I'm not really sure what to say about this, but what are your thoughts on the Browns rushing attack? And they've shown that even against a great offensive team like Dallas, they can still keep up with their them scoring, rushing the ball. Yeah, and um, I think just how heavy we attack the rush is obviously from us knowing that that's our strong suit. And I think that's one of the things that we struggled in the last – a long time, <laughs> not the last couple of years, but just a long time, dude. It's this team has never really focused on their strong points. It's just, all right, we got to build up our weak points so we can be good all together. But this year we've really been focusing on our strong point, And that's obviously our rushing game. We, everyone in the league knows we are a rushing team. That's just who we are now. And seeing that it's focused primarily on that is really good. And um, once again, these guys don't get the credit they deserve. They don't make the pretty plays, but this offensive line, again, it's been the best I've ever seen it. And you know, the uh, best line the Browns have ever had. And that's obviously going to give uh, guys, whoever's running the ball. I mean, obviously we've seen a lot of guys do it today. Whoever's running the ball is going to have great holes to cut through. And it's just really, really good to see just what kind of impact one coach can have on this team and just how well everything flows and not having Baker run for his life, having guys that can cut through clear holes that are designated for him. It's just really good to see everything flowing so well. Yeah. I mean, again, talking about the rushing game, the Browns rushed for 307 total yards today, the Dallas Cowboys, that is the most the Dallas Cowboys have allowed in their very lengthy history so that's a great achievement in and of itself but let's let's move over to the Cowboys rushing attack and this is something that we talked about in the last episode with Ezekiel Elliott about the misusage of Ezekiel Elliott he had 12 carries for 54 yards <laughs> again and no touchdowns he, he didn't have a receiving touchdown even though we thought he he did there for a second but when you have a running back like Ezekiel Elliott, again, a, a running back that a lot of people believe is the best running back in the NFL, how do you only get him 12 carries for 54 yards and not give him a touch there in the end zone? Yeah, it, it's just – it's kind of a weird thing to see. Uh, we've obviously – this Dallas offense has always revolved around Ezekiel Elliott, and it is just weird to see, but it's just – you know, I think it's just Mike McCarthy's preference – um, and I think he, he just looked at the offense as like, I, I think it'll flow a little better this way. And he's a pretty good job at it clearly. Yeah. But, um, I, I, I mean, I think at a certain point, I think Zeke's going to get a little frustrated at that, uh, not be getting used as much as he wants to be. Uh, so uh, that, that'll be maybe a thing to look into the future, but it's, uh, it, it is a little weird to see. It's just a, how just the usage rate it's just how much it can really drop off especially for a star player like that it is weird i but i am not complaining because i don't want to see 21 and those blue letters rushing all over the place and i mean we did do a really good job stopping them honestly today i was really proud of our rushing defense we did a really good job today at stopping it but it, like i said again before i go off on a tangent or something it is just really odd to see that and um 
we'll just see where that takes in the future, his emotions about uh, being used less. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't really know what else to say because again, as, as an Ohio state Buckeyes fan, obviously we're both huge Buckeyes fans and mm-hmm. we love Zeke. We love, we loved who he was in, in Ohio state. And obviously you, you're not a huge Cowboys guy and, and neither <laughs> am I, but still you want to see Zeke have success and uh, him, him not being used the way that he probably should be in Dallas. I, I definitely could see that say the Dallas maybe doesn't make the playoffs this year maybe they don't win the division this year even though i i can't really see that happening but mm-hmm. <laughs> they it say say something like that does happen and, and zeke feels like he could have been the game changer of the season does he maybe voice his displeasure and and, and try and force a trade to another team maybe um you know one thing i really wanted to just you just kind of put an idea in my head i think they might honestly I think that's going to change. I mean, they're putting up the stats. Yeah. But when you're looking at a record of one and three, it's not good. You're going to look to change some things around. So maybe Mike McCarthy's just going to straight up be like, all right, (laughs) leashes off of Zeke, man, give it back to him. And I I, I think we'll see a lot more of them. I'm not even sure who they play next week, but either way, man, I think Mike McCarthy's going to try and get the ball through him a little more and maybe we'll see the the Zeke we've seen in the NFL the past few years really blossom out. Yeah. The Giants or the Cowboys actually play the Giants next week at a four, okay, yeah. four yeah, thirty. Zeke, <laughs> Zeke will probably have a really good game. <laughs> yeah. The next three games they have are the Giants, the Cardinals and the uh, Washington football team. So okay. hopefully we'll see. I mean, not hopefully cause we're not Cowboys fans, but yeah. maybe we'll see the, uh, the win loss rating go up a little bit for the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, that NFC East, man, you never know. That division is in shambles. Yeah. It's, it's fun. You know what? It's crazy, dude. They are one and three and at the top of their division. Yeah. Well, them and them in Washington, they both yeah, are tied. That's, That's funny. I mean, could you imagine if the Cowboys weren't even 500 and they still won the division and made the playoffs? Oh man. <laughs> could you imagine oh, a man. seven and nine record? winning the division and making the playoffs. You know, that wouldn't be the first time. I can't remember what year it was. The Seattle Seahawks actually, it's seven and nine. They made the playoffs. I can't, it was, yeah. oh man. I remember they had those old odd looking uniforms though. That's all I remember. Yeah, but those, those gray uniforms. Is yeah. That, those are the ones you're talking about. Are right, they were like, there's Navy blue and they just had like one green stripe going across the oh, top. Yeah. It just, it's just goofy looking, <laughs> yeah. honestly. Yeah. But I mean, again, the I believe it's the NFC East, right? That's that's their division. Yes. Yeah. So then uh, the NFC East is easily one of the weakest divisions in football. You have the Washington football team who should have a top five pick in the, in the draft this year. You have the New York Giants who are looking to get Trevor Lawrence basically at this point. And, and you have the Philadelphia Eagles who coming into this year, we didn't really know who they were, but they're, they're looking rough too. So let's, let's focus back to the Browns, but man, that, that division, just looking at it now through four weeks is like, what is going on? Yeah, this is <laughs> something else, man. Yeah. But let's, let's move over to the receiving end of this game. Uh, one guy you're going to want to talk about when you're talking about receiving for this game is Odell Beckham Jr. He had five receptions for 81 yards, two touchdowns. He actually had three total touchdowns with that rushing touchdown we were talking about earlier. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he he definitely left his mark on this game. And before we get into the rest of the receiving, the receiving players of this game, I guess you could say, Odell Beckham is somebody that I want to talk about and kind of that late touchdown that he had rushing. The whole fourth quarter this Cowboys Steve or this Cowboys offense felt like it was just lighting us up and we were getting ready to see another Browns moment where we were up 42 to 14 or 41 to 14 or whatever it was going into the fourth quarter and we end up losing the game I mean we we almost ended up losing that game at that point yeah. and uh and Odell on it on this double reverse again he he ends up rushing it from 50 yards out to the end zone we we were just we were talking about this before the the tv that i had it on was delayed and i was using my phone and everybody that was at this party with me 
was watching it with me around around me on this phone and we all just ended up jumping around and screaming and going crazy I think that was kind of every Browns fan reaction because then we knew at that point it was the final nail in the coffin what was your thoughts on Odell Beckham today and just kind of the amazing performance he had against an old rival um you know what I was looking at it and what I was thinking I'm like Odell is back And this is the Odell that fans have been screaming for and we've wanted to see for so long. And we finally got to see him just absolutely explode like we've wanted to see again. And um, I mean, whether it was his his late night Twitter things that we were talking about last episode, whether or not that helped or not. But, you know, whatever, whatever juice he drank this morning, we got to get it. We got to feed it to him some more but it, it was really just in all seriousness really great to see him come out and just dominate a game obviously it's not a 150 yard game 150 175 yard receiving game but just the way he actually was playing if you just watch it not pay attention to the stats but just the way he played was just really really good and it's just really happy and then that run <laughs> When, when I seen him trying to run a little backwards a little bit, I'm like, oh, man, here's a loss. Here we go. We're going to be a mile back from the sticks. But then I seen him cut up, cut up a little bit. I'm like, okay, it's positive yards. And then once I seen him, once I see a linebacker next to him, I'm like, yeah, he's gone. So I jump up from the couch. And I think that's one of the moments where I scared my poor girlfriend who was trying to just relax and just lay down. And that was one of the moments where I scared the, scared the crap out of her jumping and screaming. But it's just, you know, just the excitement. I'm sure all Browns fans around the state and around the country, there are some scattered around. It's, I'm sure everyone probably jumped up and was yelling at their TVs. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely feel that because, again, that whole fourth quarter, Dallas was just slowly biting away at that lead. And I believe they had it within three at one point. Yeah, it was within three. That scared me. I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah, they, they, I believe it was two, two, two point conversions that they had. And uh, man, it's just crazy to think that they had that game within three points and we put up 49, you know? And, yeah. and, and talking about that last touchdown, you can't really talk about that last touchdown without mentioning the very odd two point conversion that the Browns had recovered there yeah. in the end zone. Uh, if, if you didn't get a chance to watch the game, the Browns line up for the extra point, the kick gets blocked, the Browns recover it in their own end zone and end up getting the two-point conversion, uh, allowing them to go up by eight points. Or no, it was 11 points at that point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I mean, that was really weird, but I'm, I'm not really sure how the rules go there, but obviously they felt like the Browns should have got the two points and they did, so really looking at this offensive lineup that we have the way the play calling went today obviously again speaking on Nick Chubb for a second we didn't want to see him leave but this is the way that we imagine this Browns offense being ran you know Austin Hooper got a touchdown Jarvis Landry got heavily involved in this game Odell Beckham was a huge huge factor in this game I mean hell Dearness Johnson Kareem Hunt and Dontrell Hilliard all put their marks on this game as well in the rushing game so how do you feel now watching this Browns offense kind of blossom from week to week uh it is great to see and like you said it's the offense that we expect to be to seen. I mean, we have so many weapons in both the backfield and on the receiving core. I mean, looking at the stat line, this is what it's supposed to look like. It's not just one guy completely standing out. It's everyone has had had their piece and their impact on the game collectively, and we all just come together and just completely dominate a team like this. I mean, I look. I mean, looking at the schedule, are we going to have another game like this? Who knows? But if we keep improving, the small a little bit weak week in and week out and just improve as the weeks go on. I think we're going to see this offense and perform like this consistently, and it'll just take us to heights we haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. I mean, I 100% agree with that. And when I was again at this party, watching the game, me and another one of my buddies, we were talking about how the Browns are now four weeks into their season they're three and one obviously for the first time since 2001 and we haven't even played the easiest part of our schedule yet 
before we move on, I kind of want to talk about some, or not talk about them, but kind of move on to some of those opponents and just look at them for a second. You have the Raiders who are two and one at this point. You have the Texans who are 0 and four, the Eagles who are 0 two and one, the Jaguars, the Titans, the Giants, the Jets. I mean, those are all teams that, again, we've talked about in, in the other podcasts that those are teams that if we can put away a team like Dallas, we should definitely be able to put away some of those other teams. And we're talking about a, a team in the Cleveland Browns that as long as things go according to plan, 10 wins isn't completely out of the question. Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, and I think people are, they said it on the broadcast as the game was ending. They're like, I think this is not the same old Browns. And I mean, as much times as we wanted to say that, I mean, you can definitely see an improvement week and week and week in that you can need, even if it's the smallest. I mean, obviously this was a big improvement, but um, you're, we're really just looking at this team and getting to be where we expected them. So I think people are going to be looking at that realistically. And like we said, if we get a win against the Dallas Cowboys, I mean, they carry that name. Obviously they don't have the record to be able to carry that name, but they're always going to carry that name the Dallas Cowboys and for us the Cleveland Browns and the name we carry for the past 20 years 21 years to get a win over the Dallas Cowboys have a three and one record and put out the offensive performance that we did I think people are definitely going to be changing up their predictions a little bit and where we're going to finish up and end the season and I mean I think we'll we'll hear from a couple analysts we'll probably be hearing that 10 win number be thrown around and if you look at it like this, I mean, if we play like this for the rest of the season, how we played this game uh, defensively, I hope we really don't in the fourth quarter wise. But if we do really play offensively like this, then um, that 10 win prediction could honestly be a very, uh, very good possibility. Yeah, uh, I really hope so, because the last time we've seen the Browns go 10 and six was in 2007. And speaking of 2007, the last time the Browns scored over 49 points was in 2007 in week week three, I believe it was, against the Cincinnati Bengals. And uh, in that game, obviously, we had Derek Anderson, Jamal Lewis, Breland Edwards, Kellen Winslow. And uh, the final score of that one was 51 to 45, another shootout down in, uh, in Cincinnati. Obviously, the Cincinnati Bengals were a good team back then, too. Carson Palmer and, uh, and Chad Ochocinco, one of the best crap talkers in all the sports. And, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, thinking about that is just like kind of touching on what you had to say. Like, there's no – I mean, this isn't the same old Browns. This isn't who we were in the past. This isn't what we've seen before. Even though, yes, the Browns did almost give up that lead and give up that game – we still ended up pulling out the win. The same old Browns would have let that one go and, and honestly would have lost that game. So I think that that's yeah. something that to build off of. We The one thing that that uh, I saw from one of the beat, the beat reporters, I'm sorry, I'm kind of stumbling over my words here, but the one thing I saw from one of the beat reporters is they asked Baker Mayfield, Baker, do you remember the last time the Browns went three and one? And he says, you know what? We don't care. This is 2020. And, mm-hmm. and when I saw that, it kind of gave me chills because it was like, we're not looking to the past anymore. We're not looking to the old records or the things that we've done in the past or the losses. We're looking forward to the future and we're, we're looking to win. Absolutely. And, you know, just kind of touching on that a little bit and piggybacking off that. And it's kind of sad, but watching this game, it does not feel like the same Browns I've rooted for, for the, my whole life. And it, it's, you know, and just seeing when that clock hit zero and they changed our little graphic to three and one underneath 49 points scored in the game. And it, it just like, this doesn't even feel like the Browns. I mean, cause all the older Browns fans know what it feels like to, root for a good Browns team and have, you know, consistent good Browns teams. But, you know, me and you were, you know, young Browns fans were a part of the younger generation, the since 99 reback that's or bring back. That's what we have known for our whole lives. That's the Browns we've known. And it's just, it's just odd 
to watch the team and be like, this really doesn't feel like the Browns to me, but it's a great feeling that it's like, you know, I can finally be a really, I mean, I've always been proud to be a Browns fan, no matter what, 0-16, 1-15, always been proud to be a Browns fan, but it's really like we can walk with our heads high, you know, a little up in our step. And it's like, yeah, we're, you know, I'm a Browns fan. Look where we're at. We're at the top of our division. Like it's really good to, really good to just say that and just think about it. Like, yeah, you know, look at us Browns fans. We were finally happy. (laughs) Yeah. Right. We don't, we don't have people throwing their, uh, throwing their dirt on us anymore. You know, we, I mean, they'll always try. I've seen it on Facebook. Uh, family friend is a Steelers fan. Always tried to, you know, you guys can't really talk through four weeks, but you know, it it is what it is. They're always going to throw the dirt on us, but we can finally not look like, you know, goofies (laughs) goofies <laughs> trying to talk crap against teens uh like we did in the past we can actually have some you know backup to that talk now yeah. you know yeah right we're we're three and one we're over 500 obviously we we're we're a solid team we're a solid offensive team obviously we want to see that defense kind of kind of get a little bit better i mean obviously they played great through three quarters today but football is a four quarter game and, and watching their, that Dallas offense come back in the fourth quarter definitely was a little scary, but I do want to talk about one player on defense and I don't know how you feel about him. This is actually the one player we haven't had a chance to talk about regardless of on the podcast or, or not. Uh, Andrew Sandejo. He, uh, he, he looked really rough there in that, in, in that first half, even in, in the first three quarters, he obviously had that, great uh, strip on, on Ezekiel Elliott, but he, you could argue that he gave up those first two touchdowns with bad positioning on the field. Where do you sit with Andrews and Dejo? Um, I mean, uh, it's kind of what we talked about in like the first two episodes, how we just really, really got to rely on these guys and that are closer to the, I mean, at the bottom of the depth chart, pretty close to it. I mean, we were really just looking for these guys to step up. I mean, next man up mentality, you got to perform out there. Um, he, he was looking real, real rough, but, um, you know, like it's a bad positioning, bad angles, miscommunication. Um, and then he did also uh, give up that touchdown uh, to CD lamb real close in the end of the game. But um, aside from that touchdown late in the game, he gave up um, when he did force that, uh, force that fumble on Zeke it's like all right guys I'm sorry here you go hopefully that'll make up for it hopefully you guys will you know like me again or whatever it is maybe you guys will be you know forgive me here's a forced fumble and I I think it was especially to the Browns fans on Twitter if you're active on Twitter in the commercial breaks uh I I was I was seeing some things that just kind of made me nod my head but I I really think that was just a Hey guys, sorry. Here you go. Hopefully that'll accept, make you guys forgive me. So, you know, I, I really don't know if I really have a specific stance for him right now. I mean, it's great to see him recover like that. Um, so I, I think, you know, not just him, but a lot of these guys on defense really just need to put the work in, watch the film. And I mean, I think it, dude, just the mistakes they're making, you just see it once on film and it's like, Oh, and you just kind of like, you know, the slap to your forehead moment, like, Oh man, duh. And it's, it just happens. Everyone makes mistakes like that. And I think they'll see it and they'll improve on that in practice. And we got a week to do it in practice and just looking at it. And uh, position groups are probably going to be looking at them like, Hey guys, you know, just simple things like that. Miscommunications. Like we fix those. We'll be good. And you guys can really compete against any offense in the league and just hold, hold your own. So, um, you know, once again, I really don't have a specific stance on the guy, but I mean, he's in the NFL, I'm not. So how much can I really say? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not really sure what to say either. Uh, I mean, he's, I don't know. I'm on Twitter. I obviously wasn't too pleased when I saw that touchdown to C.D. Lamb. And then even that touchdown pass to Amari Cooper, the one that I was talking about earlier, where Dak Prescott had a beautiful ball thrown to or thrown. Uh, mm-hmm. even, even in that pass and Sandejo, if he would have just put his hands out, he could have batted the ball down or picked it off or something. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and he just wasn't, he, he didn't do that. So you can almost argue that he gave up those two touchdowns single-handedly. Um, it's just, 
it's just a stressful situation and, and watching that secondary struggle the way that it has, let alone Sendejo. And he was the team captain today. So it's like, yeah, that's what it's, I seen on Twitter. It's like, man, uh, game captain and you go out and perform like that. But, um, you know, and like that one specific play, I mean, not only was it Dak just absolutely threading a needle between Denzel Ward and Sendejo, but I think he just went for the big hit. And if he really would have just kind of dove and reached out for the ball, I mean, at least he would have probably tipped it. I don't know if he would have really honestly intercepted the ball, just looking at it in slow motion, seeing how far he was, but he maybe could have at least tipped it or something, but yeah, get a hand like, in there or something like that. Yeah. But like, uh, you know, like I said, we'll just go in the film room. I definitely uh, defensive backs coach going to look at him and be like, dude, do not go for that big hit. And I mean, honestly, if you would have went for the big hit and connected with it, it would have been a penalty. Yeah, right. I mean, we know how the NFL works now today. So, I mean, it's just those simple things that the guys are going to look at, be like, okay, you know, I see it now and I'll, I'll fix that and won't do it again. And position coach be like, dude, just go for the ball, like be a ball hawk. That's what you're out there for. That's what you're in the defensive backfield for is just go for the ball. So, you know, all these guys are going to learn from it and learn from this game. Um, I mean, obviously, we're all neg- we're all positive here. That was a really good game, but I mean, there's always room for improvement. So I think uh, this will be a good learning experience for these guys watching that film from uh, today. Yeah, I the one guy I do want to talk about though, as far as safeties go, because obviously Sunday was a safety, uh, is Ronnie Harrison. He's a guy that we haven't got to see much of, and he's the guy that a lot of people were calling for as Sunday Ho was struggling in that first half. Uh, what are your, I mean, obviously we, as Browns fans, we haven't gotten to see Ronnie Harrison, but what are your thoughts as far as Ronnie Harrison goes, maybe getting somebody like that in there to step up and kind of take over for Sandejo? Yeah. I mean, I think we'll be mixing it up for sure. I think honestly, what I would probably most likely we're going to see happen is um, it's going to be a mix between him and Sandejo out here, uh, out there next week against Indianapolis. Um, I think they're just going to get kind of some mixed reps in there and coach are just going to be really watching that position and see who, uh, see who performs the best, honestly, and see who, you know, knows their coverages, has a good communication, knows what they're doing on each play. And I think may, I mean, maybe we'll see a position change, a starter change uh, come the week after next. Uh, after we play the Colts, depending on the results. But I think there we're definitely, uh, even if there isn't a starter change right away, I think we'll definitely see more of a mix between reps between Harrison and Sandejo. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I would, I personally would love to see that just because again, I'm not a huge Sandejo guy. Um, anybody who follows me on Twitter knows that I'm not a huge Sandejo guy, especially after today's game. Um, but again, he, he kind of, Helped himself out there with that forced fumble, and he he kind of asked the Browns for forgiveness, asked the rest of the defense for forgiveness with that uh, with that forced fumble. So, moving on to somebody a little more important on the defense, and that's Miles Garrett. Uh, Miles Garrett had two sacks today. Continues that streak of strip sacks. Obviously, he's had a strip sack in three straight games, so that's absolutely huge. Um, what are your thoughts on how Miles Garrett played today? Obviously you talked about my X factor prediction earlier on this week and it kind of, kind of happened to be true, but he had Mm -hmm. those two, that those two sacks and then obviously the forced fumble. So what were your thoughts on Miles Garrett? Uh, I, nothing but positive things to say about Miles. Um, you know, I mean, only things really I could uh, any negatively say about Miles in the past was just, he's, he was way too eager to uh, get in there. Um, I mean, we've, you've paid attention to the Browns. We obviously know as Brown fan Browns fans that miles had a tendency to draw a lot of those neutral zone infraction penalties, but um, he, I, I mean, how we've obviously seen this season, he's really improved on that. And I mean, it's really, really hard to see, to say anything um, negative about uh, miles Garrett really. Um, and today he was, um, he was really good. He got in the, he got uh, really good pressure on Dak in the first three quarters. Um, and it's hard to get pressure when you're double teamed in the fourth. So can't really say much about that, but it's just, he's always going to be that force, that wrecking ball to any offensive line and just him getting in there and that force fumble uh, or the strip sack streak. That's, <laughs> that's really, really amazing. Honestly, if you really look at it. 
Um, and I mean, honestly, I never really look out of anything too pretty. I mean, obviously we want everybody to just ball out and make good plays, but I mean, as long as just miles Garrett just forces that pressure, not even get the sack. We'd love to see a sack, but him just doing his job of just pressuring a quarterback that, I mean, I'm pleased with that. Absolutely. Cause every game going into, uh, every, for every team going into the Browns, uh, we're always looking at, all right, man, we got to stop miles. Like yeah. <laughs> that's the priority. Number one, public enemy, number one against other teams. So it's just really good to see him get in there for some pressure, get some strip sacks. And it, it's, you know, nothing but positive things to say about miles. Yeah. I mean, the Browns look like absolute geniuses giving miles Garrett, that huge contract, making him the second highest paid defensive end in the NFL. I mean, I'm not really sure what else to say about the guy. I mean, we've we've talked about this earlier on in the podcast, saying that he is the best defensive end in football. Obviously, as Browns fans, we're a little biased, but it's uh, – I mean, the guy has been phenomenal for the, through the first four weeks of the season, and, and we continue to hope that he puts on these great performances. And, again, if he, if he continues to play like this, there's no way that he – isn't at least in the running for defensive player of the year and, and just the way that he's performed. Yeah, for sure. And um, I think just not only him, but the front of uh, the defensive line, just period, it's just been wreaking havoc. And I mean, they did do a good job of that today. And, um, you know, broadcast kind of touched on it a little bit and, you know, he doesn't really get a lot of the recognition. Um, you don't really hear his name a lot anymore. Is uh, but when you double up Miles Garrett like that, one guy you gotta look out for is Larry Ogunjobi because he will force his way into that. When he gets his time to shine, then Larry's gonna be the guy that you gotta watch out for. And also having two of those guys on the defensive line like that, that you you know, it's kind of like, all right, who do we really go after here for? Because we'll go after one, the other one's gonna beat us. So it's just really good to know makes us sleep good at night that we have Ogan, Joby and Garrett both on the line together that can absolutely discombobulate any offense. Yeah. A hundred percent. Larry Ogan, Joby and miles Garrett are a great duo and you can't even, you really at this point, you can't even leave out Sheldon Richardson. I mean, obviously he went down in that game, but he, he came back and he played, played pretty well, but those, those front four, even Porter Gustin, a guy that we had no idea who he was heading into week. Oh one, yeah. And he, he's been solid for us. So again, these guys are just, they're phenomenal. And I mean, at this point with those front four, Olivier Vernon is obviously in, in there as well. Where do you see Olivier Vernon as far as, as the front four goes? Do you see him continuing to be a starter or, or maybe at some point are the Browns just, move him for, move him onto the bench not saying that he's not good but i mean if porter gustin and miles garrett continue to produce the way that they have where do you see olivier vernon fitting into this defense um you know that's a good point if uh porter gustin has been pretty uh, has been very very good for us this year um you know i i don't know about really just benching the guy um right I mean, you never know. I mean, if he gets outperformed, yeah, that's that's the name of the game. Be like, sorry, dude. Like, yeah. you, you know, you're not going to be out there to start the game. We'll get you your reps. But, you know, Gustin's just outperforming you. Um, and it, he – the it's just all the defensive line altogether, man. It seems like no matter who's out there, they all just perform so well as a team. Yeah. Um, Just as, as a front four, they just perform so well no matter what matchup you got out there. I mean, we, we're not like – taking in and out everybody but i mean it's not like we have a new front four every time but just you know those here and there guys that we kind of swap out just no matter how they play or how who's all combined out there they just play very well so that's just something that makes me really comfortable watching the defense and obviously our defensive backfield is is the uh weakness for our team but having a front four like that that you can rely on is it's very good yeah a hundred percent. I mean, Olivier Vernon, he's, he's a, he's a good defensive end. I'm not going to sit here and say he's phenomenal. I'm not going to sit here and say he's, he's even great, but he, he's good. And uh, he's a guy that even though he's had his issues in the past, he he's known that he's obviously this off season, he's agreed to that because the Browns obviously lowered his contract and, and he, he agreed to that, but, Talking about that secondary, obviously the Browns secondary is not the greatest. We we have our struggles. Obviously, safety is safety is an issue for the Browns, but 
one guy you got to talk about when talking about the secondary is Denzel Ward. Other guys don't, other teams don't want to come in here and have to face Denzel Ward. Amari Cooper this, this week, I'm sure he, he looked at this matchup and was going, no, I don't want to go up against Denzel Ward. He's a, he's a pretty good corner. And obviously he proved that with a great late game interception to, to really ice the game for the Cleveland Browns. We talked about this on the last podcast. Denzel Ward is a solid corner. And again, if he continues to be healthy, if he continues to, to make the plays that he has, it's he's going to make it hard for the Cleveland Browns to decide who's going to get max contracts, who's going to, to kind of be able to stay with the franchise for, for the next foreseeable future, you know? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Having a guy like Denzel in your backfield is, I mean, I just said it again. It just makes us sleep more comfortably at night. Um, it, it, it's, and I think this game, like we said, is um, when we were talking about guys that were kind of struggling with injuries and who's going to really stick around. Like you just said, again, who's going to get the max contract. I mean, honestly, if you really look at it, the next max contract we're probably going to give besides Baker or not a max contract, but a really big deal is definitely Denzel. Yeah. Um, he's definitely a guy that we can build. And like I said, last episode, he's a guy that you can build a defense around. Um, and I'm sure, and no matter who the receiver is, I mean, you, you see that you see 21 on that Brown Jersey or white Jersey or whatever. You're like, man, I'm going to have a rough day. Yeah. Um, so it's just having a guy that you can on paper intimidate teams with it, it's will definitely get enough teams head even before you play him. It's like, man, I got to go up against Denzel Ward this week. I, I ain't going to do nothing. Cause I mean, he really doesn't give up anything like huge. I mean, yeah, he'll give up like slants or like inside routes here and there. I mean, it's not, and it's not like he can really break out of his tackle either. You don't really see guys break out of Denzel's tackles a lot. He's really good at, wrapping up and that's one of the things honestly i seen the Browns struggle with this week is the guys aren't wrapping up and you see plays that are extended longer than they should be from our defense not really wrapping guys up so um that's one thing that's really good about denzel's is tackling and where else are you gonna learn it from besides not only dbu but nflu period the ohio state I mean, they prepare those guys to play at the highest level in the NFL, and you can see it. Denzel Ward is one of those products. Yeah, he 100%. There's nothing I can say that that won't allow me to agree with you there. I mean, Denzel Ward has been phenomenal. He is, I mean, just besides the injuries, there's, I mean, when Denzel Ward's on the field, he's a top five, top ten corner in the league. So, I mean, obviously, when you look at guys like Amari Cooper, they, Amari Cooper had a great stat line today. Uh, Amari Cooper had 12 receptions for 134 yards and a touchdown, but Denzel Ward was not on Amari Cooper all game. And when, Amari, when he was on Amari Cooper, Amari Cooper wasn't getting 30-yard uh, receptions. Denzel Ward wasn't leaving Amari – or Amari wasn't leaving Denzel in the dust. So, it's, it's – Again, Denzel is a great coverage corner, a great man corner, and uh, all around he's just phenomenal. But really, when you see a great receiving attack like the Dallas Cowboys, Mari Cooper had 134 yards, CeeDee Lamb had 79 yards, Dalton Schultz, who's a backup tight end and has had a great year so far being a backup, he's had four, he had four receptions for 72 yards, and Zeke had 71 yards receiving. So, I mean, that, that right there is insane. The Cowboys had 502 yards passing, and they had 566 yards of total offense. So, obviously, most of their offensive yardage came from passing. This, this attack is just insane. But, again, when you play a team like this, when, when you have a secondary like the Browns do, obviously Denzel's a great highlight, but we, we struggle. We struggle with the, with the other positions. So, again, I want to see the Browns defense kind of step up a little bit more. But when you're playing, I mean, statistically the best offense through four weeks at the NFL so far and, and you still come out on top, that's, that's huge. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, really looking at the defense today, I'm like, man, we need, we need, need some help at some other positions. Um, and I think looking – you know, never mind. I'm not even gonna, <laughs> not even gonna make that prediction. But we just need some help. Obviously, we know. 
we need some defensive help. And I mean, once we get the guys that we're looking forward to healthy, like once greedy gets consistent and you have greedy on one side and Denzel on the other side, once you have Grant Dell Pitt far back in the backfield, that will not, you know, not even a doubt probably replace Sandejo. Um, you know, once you have those three uh, solidified on your defense, I think we'll, we'll see a, a lot less struggles out of the defense, having those guys healthy. I mean, it's just a, you know, you just got to shrug your shoulders, man. It's like, you know, if the guy's hurt, the guy's hurt. You can't control it. I mean, and especially with Grant Tail Pitt tearing his Achilles, right? That's the atten- yeah. that's the tendon he tore? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's just a freak injury like that, man. It's I mean, you can't really, like, prevent this stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. It's I mean, same thing with the Nick Chubb injury. Like, last week, I'm not sure if you saw this, but there was an, a Dallas Cowboys uh I believe it was a defensive lineman who rolled over um, Nick or Chris Carson's leg. Did you see this this play? Um, I believe so. Yeah, I yeah, know what you're talking about. It, that was a pretty dirty, uh, pretty dirty play. It, it was almost like he looked at his leg and just jumped on top of it. But obviously, that's not the case here with Nick Chubb. It was just a kind of a freak accident. But you don't want to see this kind of stuff happen. And, and touching on Grant Delpit really quick before we close out. I mean this guy coming back next year hopefully I mean again as, as long as the recovery process is is normal he should be back next season I mean having somebody like that come in and and just be a part of this defense will definitely help I mean Sendejo is easily the worst starting starting player on this defense so far and mm-hmm. uh and having somebody like that who's, who's solid and and coming coming out coming off of an injury it'd be huge to have Grant Delpit back. Yeah. And I mean, you know, there's certain schools that you draft guys out of that, you know, are going to perform really well. I mean, especially on the, I mean, we know there's certain schools on the defensive side, especially like Ohio state's one, you draft a defensive guy out of Ohio state defensive back specifically. We'll go with that. Not just defense, but defensive back you draft a guy at Ohio State he's most likely going to perform very well for you on your team translate very well into the NFL you draft a defensive back out of LSU um you see I mean a lot of guys defensively backs and are in the NFL are from LSU and just so certain schools that you draft guys out of I mean no matter what you know are going to translate really well into the NFL and make an impact on your team yeah uh Ohio State is obviously with the way LSU has looked this year, we are DBU. So that's uh, drafting guys out of Ohio State like that would be huge. Drafting, I mean, LSU has had a pretty solid defensive back class the past few years, but this year they're getting lit, lit up. So uh, mm-hmm. it's 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 pretty rough. But we're going to close out with that. Uh, we're super excited, super happy after a great Browns victory. So we hope all you guys enjoy your victory Monday and um, hope you guys can join us on Thursday for the preview of the Browns-Colts game. Um, I, again, everybody should be happy in Cleveland with this victory. The Browns win today as with, I mean, 49 to 38 with it, with, I mean, really the game should have been a little bit, a little bit wider of a margin than that, but the, the Cowboys are a great fourth quarter team. So again, enjoy your victory Monday and thank you for tuning into the Bark of the Browns podcast.